Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Fairhall, the CEO of Mawson Gold, which is listed on the TSX main board. Uh, Mawson has a PEA stage million ounce Raya Palot gold cobalt project in Finland, a discovery in Sweden, and a controlling interest in the ASX listed Southern Cross Gold, who are exploring in the gold, uh, Victorian gold fields, most notably Sunday Creek. Invested opportunity in Mawson is that it's trading at a deep discount to a really strong portfolio of assets. And they've all got forward momentum and, and upcoming uh, value catalysts, which are fully funded. Ivan, good to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show. And um, you're undervalued like everyone, but we're going to find out why today. So um, I so do appreciate your time um, and coming uh, coming to tell us about you know what, all the moving parts, as it were. Why don't we start with one of those moving parts? You, what, what's your background and, and story? Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Uh, it's nice to be here. And look, my background is uh, I'm an engineer by training and, and I, I spent the first part of my career scoping, studying and, and also building projects uh, all over the world. Uh, but then most recently, seven years ago or 2014, I joined a London-based mining private equity fund called Greenstone. Um, and uh, we had about $500 million and we invested that in development stage assets uh, and so I brought my technical skills to bear there and, you know, we scoured the globe and we were looking for, for, for these development stage assets, which sort of had had critical ingredients to success, which were um, that they were, were build, buildable by a junior mining company, so financeable and permittable and, and genuinely could go into production. And, and that was Greenstone's strategy of how to, uh, how to, to ensure that you can um, you can realise value from your asset and not get stranded. And certainly when the time came uh, that I was looking for the new opportunity to, to leave, and leave Greenstone and join the company, uh, you know, join the corporate side, it was very much that investor lens that I sort of looked through when I considered, you know, what opportunity to take on next. Okay, well, let's, well, let's, let's talk about that. And we'll come back to, you know, the rest of the team in, in a second. So let's look at that kind of Greenstone lens that you, you, you talk about. Um we're, we're talking um, Finland, Sweden, and obviously the, the spinner in, in Oz, which again, we'll come back to. Um, what was it that you saw there precisely? Because I'm not sure the market's seeing it right now. So what, what did you see? Yeah, look, Raya Palot is a, is a high quality development story. Um, it's a million ounces. Uh, and the, the, the way that the, the resource exists and we can go into a little bit more detail around the PEA and what we're looking to, to bring out but it's but it's a mineable uh, deposit and um, and in the right part of the world that you can you can build a project you know low infrastructure burden and all of those good things um, and so you know not getting stranded in an asset that requires a partner to come in and help you build um, that that's you know it's really critical to uh, to being able to realize value. I'll explain that bit. That, that's kind of interesting to most people because most most CEOs come on here and tell me that's exactly what they're looking for. So why do you feel the opposite? Um, because if you need a billion dollars to build your project, there's not too many independent junior mining companies that can go and execute a fund financing like that. It's happened before, but you know the great the great masses will struggle to do that. And, and the big mining companies know that and, and they can wait longer than you typically. And, uh, and, and you get to, you'll get to the point and there's all this exuberance around the project and you'll get to the point of a feasibility study and people say, oh, well, what next? You realise you can't finance that project. 
and uh, and then you're and then you're stuck. Whereas if you can finance it and you're a credible threat of being able to build it yourself, and you have the team and 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 the capabilities to do it, then someone has to come and take you out for fair value, or they will watch you go and be successful on your own right, and and, and you know you will have to um, you'll go and go and live your own life where they uh, you're you're not needing them. So it's really about uh, forcing someone to come in and be sensible. Uh, if they do want to acquire your project. Right. So you've been with the company, what, nine, nine 12 months, that sort of time frame? Is yeah, it? nine months. Nine months, yep. okay. Um, so, again, if I'm looking at the market, as an investor, I'm going, there are loads of one million ounce companies around the world. Um, I'm, so, so, therefore, there's a lot of white noise, and I'm trying to find sort of points of differentiation to me that say, so if I buy your argument that, hey, we want to be in control of our own destiny uh, with a project that we think we can fund, um, without having to wait around for someone to kind of come and take us out. What's so different about you? You know, why, why, why this one million ounce project? And, and indeed, aren't people now looking for two million ounce projects? You know, one million ounce seems so yesterday in a way. Yeah, no, look, I get that. Um, so first of all, we're doing a PEA to explain why this million ounces is is better than other million ounces to, to begin with. And I think some people have looked at our resource and, and have somehow drawn some conclusion that it's not economic and, and, I, and I feel quite strongly that the PEA is going to, to show otherwise. And there's real good reasons for that. Just to sort of go into the basic ones is, is the, geolog- the, the sort of the geometrical setting, how the resource sits. It's not narrow vein. It's, uh, it's got quite thick mining horizons, five to 30 metres, starts at surface, it, it, it sort of it, um, gently dipping and uh, at about 45 degrees. And um, So why is that and, good? And I mean, that, just for, again, for the uninitiated or people coming into natural resources, you know, you, and people use, you know, we're all using vocabulary, they don't necessarily understand. So you explain the, why is that important to them? Why should they care? So what it is amenable is, I don't like using the term bulk mining, but but very productive mining conditions. And what that does is it drives low operating costs. So mining costs should be relatively low here for this project. And, and the other sort of kicker, and, and this is something that, that very few people understand, and I was certainly sceptical when I really started to get into the detail, is mining costs in Scandinavia and in Finland are some of the lowest in the world. And uh, you can go and look at operating mines and look at their look at look at their economics. Go and go and do the work and look at the operating mines in Finland and look at the mining costs that they achieve in Finland and Sweden. And you um, and you see very low mining costs, and that's to do with productivities and labour rates. People, you know, the, the salaries are nowhere near like they are in Australia and uh, Australia and Canada. And and so those low mining co- low low labour costs ish um, productive conditions in the mine as well as productive workforce drive low mining costs and that help is what help keeps the cutoff grade down and and at a basic level you don't need the PEA you can look at our resource um, we've got a cutoff grade of about one gram a ton versus a resource grade of about three uh, and so that's already a, a very good metric of profitability but I think we need to go to the next step do the PEA pull out draw out that we've got excellent infrastructure so on the capital side should have relatively low capital intensity and uh, Finland is a great place to do business, 20% 20% corporate tax, 0.15% 
royalty, so practically no royalties, and and uh, we own 100% of the project, and there's no other royalties over the project, and so we just got to draw a lot of the got excellent metallurgy, I should add, uh, very high gold recovery, simple simple gold metallurgy, um, and uh, we've just got to draw all these ideas together and, and put them into some economics, and then you know we will we will, we should show uh, that we've got a very robust and a, an attractive standalone development opportunity. And to answer your second part of your question, well, why a million ounces and shouldn't it be two? Absolutely, it will be two and more at this uh, at this mine. I feel very strongly about that, and we can talk about the exploration upside, down dip. All the resource bodies are, are wide open, and um, and and what the PEA gives us, in fact is a tool to value that exploration upside. We could have turned around and gone and kept drilling down dip and added three, 400,000 ounces uh, to the resource and come out with a 1.3, 1.4 million ounce resource. I don't think the market would have cared. Whereas if you can do the back of some back of the envelope calculation, you don't need a PEA to do this, but back of the envelope type calculations, you add 50% to your resource, you scope the project right, you can double your NPV. So the return on the implied return on capital all of a sudden from drilling out more resources and adding NPV becomes quite large, and you couldn't do that without a PEA. So, yeah, so tying the development opportunity with the exploration upside, and we're not leaving the exploration upside, it's several fold, that's, that's really about how to move the story forward, I think. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so the SRK is doing the PEA for you to end end of Q four, maybe beginning of sorry, end of Q three, beginning of Q four. That, that that sort of time frame. Okay, um, you, you've done. Have you done all the met work that you you're going to be doing um, for that? It's it's still we we this, we're doing a sort of a second stage of met work. Um, it's still ongoing, but I think we've got most of the answers we need for the PEA. We're sort of continuing on ahead. Um, okay, so you, you you talk about three gram um, um, per ton um, gold equivalent. Now that's that's going to mixture of, of of gold and um, cobalt. What's, what's the cobalt represented percentages or dollar terms? About fifteen percent by in situ value. Right. Does that, does that make the the network any more complicated, or is it relatively simple? You're saying. So the cobalt isn't a major economic driver for the mine, you know, at 15%. Yeah, this is a gold mine, you mine for gold. Thankfully, we have um, typically you see the highest grades of cobalt coincident with the highest grades of gold. So there's no mine planning conflict. You will mine for gold. Gold drives the economics. You will mine the gold and you'll mine the cobalt with it. You'll grind the gold and you'll grind the cobalt with it. And so you have this, this tailing stream effectively out the back of the CIL um, which is going to be uh, cobalt rich. And it's a question of what you can do with that. Uh, we know a reasonable amount about the mineralogy of the cobalt and, and uh, sort of two main mineral types susceptible to flotation and magnetic separation. And uh, we're really, you know, spending time at this stage on, on the network just to try to find out the right place for the project, you know, the market to meet the project. And, um, you know, we live in a world... Uh, in Europe and in Finland, where cobalt is incredibly important, and Finland has a has a real toehold on the on the cobalt story in Europe for for reasons we can go into, and if you'd like, um, but uh, we've got the fifth largest active cobalt mine uh, project in in Europe, and um, and and being able to sell cobalt into that 
into that market is is important strategically as much as it is economically for the project, probably more so than economically. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's the, the, the big sort of um, European ecosystem for EV batteries and, and infrastructure build out um, more broadly is, yeah, exciting times. Um, and I think the Nordics are fitting into that quite nicely. Um, just just talk to me about the, the so I want, so I want to stay with the PEA as well, but in the context of the market at the moment, um, most most announcements in the market for the last, I'm going to go five, six months have been, been received with a sort of shrug of the shoulders and, of, you know, very little reaction. Do you think that you initiated the kind of PEA study to try and, you know, put some economics around this so people get a sense of who you are to try and get some sort of standout about who you are versus, well, actually we should maybe this kind of two million ounce target would be, would have been a much, much better thing to go for. I mean, how, how, what are the decision making around that, that kind of trade off, that playoff between getting on with it and putting some economics in the market? Yeah, look, I think as a, as a as sort of a standout, you know, we talked about at the, at the top of the interview about the importance of having a credible mine at your disposal. And, and at the end of the day, if, if you want to sit around and drill and, and raise money and continually sort of drill, then, then that becomes increasingly difficult over time, I think, obviously subject to, to, to results. So, yeah, parking that, yeah, our decision to go to the to go to the PEA was threefold. First of all, we, you know, we we believe that the market doesn't understand our deposit, and we needed a PEA to articulate the value better and allow people to see what the potential really was. Um, and and we've gone into some of that. It gives us the opportunity to value the exploration upside that we believe exists and help it becomes a decision making tool in fact in um, in how we allocate capital and how we add value to the company if we've got a way of of valorizing that exploration upside and thirdly it supports our permitting process we genuinely do want to move this project forward and um, you can't permit a mine that you can't describe at the end of the day and uh, we've started our EIA process and and they're in fact very keen to engage. They're asking questions. They want to know about the project, and uh, and we need to be able to move that uh, conversation forward. And and it's also just a more, you know, the whole sort of permitting and 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 PEA. They need to go together. It's a modern way of developing a mine. You you permit the mine. You don't go and permit the mine you've designed. You design the mine you can permit. And so we need to move these things together uh, forward. And um, that's what we're doing. Okay, so thank you for that. Because um, I always think it's interesting for people to understand the mindset and the thought process of the management team and the board um, as to how you navigate your way around a sort of a, a very kind of fluid environment like the, the economy is at the moment, but also like sort of changing attitudes to mining jurisdictionally, environmentally, et cetera. So I do appreciate that, I really do. Um, talk to me about the exploration component, because you, you talk about in the in the marketing material about being fully funded for, you know, well, I think you talk about two years. I'm not quite sure what the time frame is now. So how much money have you got and what is the use of uh, of those funds? So we've got about four and a half million dollars cash and that and that sees us comfortably funded through this year where we're delivering a PEA 
Uh, we've got some summer exploration work that we we did an announcement on a couple of weeks ago around really opening up the interior of the property and doing uh, some mag work and some basement of till drilling and and taking a leaf out of some of our successful peers in in Finland like Rupert and you know, made a fantastic discovery based on some basement of till drilling. Um, and of course, Southern Cross sits in the background. It's funded separately via the uh, cash that they raised in the in, on the IPO, and their drill rig's turning uh, pretty intensely. And they've got a second drill rig mobilising the site and probably looking for a third. And so, quite a lot of drill results to be coming out out of Australia. But, but, but let's can I, can I keep that separate? Okay, that's a, that's a separate entity. You you spun that out, and, and you're sitting what sixty percent of of that. And I think there's some real value to that. And, in fact, there's more value to that than there is in your entire company, strangely. But we'll, we'll, well, I'll let you make make your argument about that in a second. But your your own your own drilling is is going to be used to to what end? Can you can you break down dollars or meters or and and what type of drilling um, and what type of data do you think that's going to add to? Well, presumably not the PEA at the, at this point, but. What do you want to learn? No, no. The drilling, the drilling will not be resource expansion. It's it's target generation. Okay. Uh, because you know we've got a very large property. We've got about eighteen thousand hectares there in Finland, and we've drilled ten percent, ten percent, like a very small amount. Uh, we had a discovery. You know, one of the very early discovery holes on the pro- on the property for for people that have been following the story for a long time. Uh, the rompers discovery six meters at six hundred and seventeen grams a ton on the western edge of the property. Still to this day, one of the best holes, probably the best hole in Finland. We discovered the million, we drilled out the million ounces on the eastern side, and we have a large, you know, so two significant gold occurrences and a, and a very large prospective land package in between that we need to dedicate uh, some time to drill. And, and so we're, you know, looking at drilling efficiency and capital efficiency in, in markets like we are in today. Basement of till drilling allows us to to effectively um, drill through this thin layer of glacial till that, that exists in this part of the world that prevents you from seeing the, the, the you know, there's very little outcrop and it prevents you from sort of mapping the surface and this allows you to effectively uh, map the surface. And so, so we can cover a large, large, large area by doing relatively low cost exploration uh, in that. And the other property that we are drilling um, and we've got results that are pending um, is uh, is the Sheleftor project, which is the new project we've acquired an option over down in Sweden. Uh, so we've still got four holes pending there. We've made a discovery, um, and and it's a, it's it's in the shadow of the head frame. Seven million ounces of property uh, have been uh, produced from within twenty two kilometres of that property. It had never been drilled. We put the first two drill holes we've released now to the market that have ever gone into that property and we've hit high grades 0.4 meters at 132 grams a ton inside a inside a two meter 1.8 meter at 28 grams a ton um so we've made a discovery i would argue and but but it's early days and we've got uh holes pending and and a bigger system to explore there that that we will likely continue to put some more holes into this year okay it's an interesting point you make again just wouldn't mind your, your thoughts on this one the way that companies claim discoveries at with, with different amounts of work some like to do a lot and some i've heard a couple of CEOs come on here and claim it after one hole so it you know it it, it varies i mean again just with a sort of conservative hat on you you'd be saying what would you like to see before claiming a discovery it's probably <laughs> probably a little bit premature to call it a discovery. Uh, so maybe you're picking me up on being a little a little too excited, but we certainly like what we see. Um, we've got a 
we've got uh, outcrop that we've drilled under uh, and demonstrated that the outcrop um, has, it continues. There's a structure that continues uh, to depth. We're drilling out that the rest of the pro the rest of the small program, the scout drilling program, has drilled a long strike, and we've and, and we're looking to sort of prove up that extent over a over a sort of a 300 metre area. But then there's a there's a much larger magnetic anomaly, and and I think as we start to build out of that out to that 300 and 300 to 500 meter uh, demonstrate continuity along strike and uh, and link that to the to the sort of structures that we see in the magnetics then I definitely think that um, that we can start to uh, be a little bit more aggressive about calling it a discovery okay okay no, 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 no a phrase I'm sort of hearing a lot a lot more often these days is um, we're using economic uh, geologists to find <laughs> uh, or make new discoveries for us um, so I, I think that's kind of so quite amusing when people start changing the the, the wording. But um, in the case in case of a discovery, obviously economic discoveries um, to kind of pinch that, that phraseology, um, it, it takes it takes a while to kind of you know get get to the point where you can sort of understand you know if it is economic or not. So PEA is a good first you know stake in the sand. But just you guys tend to know a little bit earlier than an economic study being um, you know drawn up. Um, whether or not it can be economic or not. So what, what are those signs that, that you guys look for to, when you, that, that confidence actually arrives? So I think it begins with the, the, the resource body. Well, it begins and ends ultimately with the resource body itself. But looking at continuity, uh, how does it hold together? Uh, is it something that's continuous and that can be, looks like it can be mined and is predictable in the way uh, that you can mine it? Um, then looking at grades over over so, so you know mechani modern mechanized mining you know you need to take a certain amount because you've got to get equipment in there and 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 looking at at, at the grade that you find in the drill hole and, and what you would interpret the resource body to be and then what does that grade look like when you when you have to mine it and take it out of the ground and ensuring that that holds up and, and not being overly diluted um, that that's probably the next biggest thing and you, you can that emerges very early on as you put drill holes into properties and link them up and start to do the geostatistics and think about think about how continuous this is you, you get a sense for that that shape of the ore body and then it comes down to things like metallurgy uh, you can do some early early thinking on metallurgy it's simple for gold to to assess the metallurgical response and understand that it's whether it's free gold or not and likely to be cyanide soluble and end up down a path of relatively low cost processing that will be a big tick. And can you get good recoveries? That would be another big tick. And then looking at the infrastructure burden for a project. What is it going to take to set up a mine here? And, and when we look at our Sheleftor project, I, you know, it's obviously very early days, but, but this, this, mine, this uh, deposit or this, uh, this tenement has several operating mines around it. Within 20 kilometres, there's, there's two or, or maybe three uh, operating mines and and so potentially one doesn't even need to go and build an, a new project at all and not a new tailing you know maybe no new tailing stand maybe no new plant and and could it be trucked and and these higher grade discoveries like the one I'm describing that you know I think that, that we've sort of looking at making here is uh, is certainly truckable a, sh a relatively short distance it would need to go and so development hurdles start to look a little bit lower and um, and I think they're just you know the critical type components to getting a mining operation away. Fantastic, I like that, I like that a lot. Um, 
Right. The Nordics, long, long, long history of mining, but a little known to North American investors up until very, very recently. And you've kind of got a poster boy uh, in the shape of uh, Rupert Resources doing a lot of heavy lifting for you. Um, and do you feel that... Um, you know, obviously, the, 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 the timing for them has been beautiful, and the, the way that the systematic way that they've been going about it has been um, really, really, um, you know, positive for them, and they've seen a reaction in the marketplace. Is there anything that they are doing in terms of the way that you you feel that you should approach your own projects, um, or were you always going to um, be doing that anyway? And it's just a question of um, drill, drill, drill. No, look, I think. Rupert is a fantastic discovery and a great reminder for investors everywhere uh, and mining companies themselves, in fact, of the scale of the opportunity in an area where there is very small amounts of outcrop, um, big opportunities sit below. There's a, there's a stat going around, there's 10 operating mines in Finland and they all are over outcrop. So what are the chances that, that, that they're the only economic project? So there's not much outcrop because of this till, this glacial till, uh, but the opportunities are still there uh, and Rupert's proved that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, certainly I think, you know, we've been doing basement till, basement of till drilling on our project, but, but Rupert has sort of reminded us and everyone um, this sort of opportunity you can uncover with fairly low cost exploration, you can cover a big area and and um, and uh, make large discoveries that are really sitting there. We, we've only on our property, we've only got five, probably maximum ten meters of till um, to get through. So it's quite a simple process, um, and you've just got to be systematic. and 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 we're looking to to take that that basement of till work and and combine that with you know, we've got a good understanding that we've gained in our property drilling out a million ounces already around the, the structural host. And uh, we've done some magnetic work and we're looking to, to sort of look for the most prospective rocks that we see in the magnetic works, the right age rocks that's, that, that have borne our project, have borne Rupert's, it's borne you know, millions of ounces in Finland that have already been discovered. Look for those rocks, do basement of till drilling over those areas and uh, hopefully make a big discovery. Right. Good. Now, I want to talk to you about the sum of the parts, right? You said that that's that we're undervalued, right? So, so far, what I've heard from you is, okay, we got a million ounce uh, resource out of the gate, uh, three grams per tonne gold equivalent, right? Good start. Um, the PA coming out end of Q3, that should help people understand how the story is pieced together. And I think you've done a good job today of actually talking about the sorts of things that you would um, look to kind of do to build build that story out. Um, you've got four, four and a half million bucks uh, spent on um, additional drilling and trying to make more discoveries. Good. You've got Southern Cross over here. So should we just talk about that for a second, just in terms of some of the parts? It's got a what, market cap of, of of what at the moment? Somewhere? Uh, 50, 60? $70 million. Dollars 70 million bucks. 60 right. And, and you're, you're, you own 60% of that. Yeah, we have a controlling stake in Southern Cross and... Um, and uh, the background there, just to just to bring people up to speed, is 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 Southern Cross was a is you know, Mawson had a collection of Australian assets which acquired about two years ago, incubated them inside of the company and and you know made a great discovery. There you go, I'm using that term, um, and uh, that is a bona fide discovery. I can assure you, uh, down at Sunday Creek, and 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 we were not seeing the value 
in Mawson's share price. And, and so we felt that the Australian market would be very receptive of looking at other stories and how they were doing. And so the decision was made to spin that out. And I think that was a very successful move. We were able to raise um, $11.8 million over a pre-IPO and an IPO fundraise down in Australia. We were able to bring drilling forward because you know, the alternative would have been to try and raise it in Canada in a market that was not rewarding uh, the work that we were doing now, down there. So we've been able to bring that exploration forward um, and we've maintained a controlling interest in that um, we hold the shares and uh, Mawson is a much stronger company for our ownership of that project. Now, those shares are necessary to come onto some of the parts and, 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 and you're right, that 60%, if you take the, the share price of the day down in Australia, it's, it's worth more than our entire market cap. So in a sense, we have a negative EV straight out of the gate. Um, and, and where the, those shares are escrow uh, until May 2024, but um, you know, following that escrow, they're very fungible and, and you know, there's a lot of smart bankers running around looking at how to best leverage that Southern Cross situation to benefit Mawson in, in the shorter term as well. I, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I wasn't quite, I didn't understand that or wasn't aware of that because sometimes that can be a real overhang for for Southern Cross. You know, that's problematic for them. It can be a problem for you in terms of, you know, how do you monetize that? But if, the, if there's a hold on till, till then, I guess um, that's not... Well, it's not an issue, but there's also no way of you kind of monetizing that. So between now and then, you've got to hope nothing goes wrong or it gets a whole sure. lot better, right? So um, why, why was it structured like that? Uh, that's at ASX. So it's a vendor, a vendor rule from the uh, ASX that um, vendors get locked up for two years for that very reason, in fact, to, to ensure that the valuation um, that is ascribed to the asset has a chance to settle. And in this case, I think... You know the the discovery that's been made since IPO, um, uh, or the drilling that's been done since IPO, has taken it to a whole new level. Um, but uh, it, it's allowed, it's removed of an overhang, and it's allowed Southern Cross to perform. It's a much tighter structure, and and hasn't had disinterested shareholders that have been selling into that. Um, and so they benefited, and indirectly, obviously, Mawson's benefited in the sense that um, there's been huge value creation down there. It's 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 a it's a very solid asset that sits on our portfolio, not something that we can certainly, in a simple sense, immediately um, monetize, uh, and nor would we necessarily be looking to. Uh, and it's gonna we're gonna give them a chance to um, generate a lot of value um, through 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 the the work that we're doing down there. And and in the meantime, we'll be a very happy shareholder. Right, and you kind of got some shared directors as, as well, presumably. So everything's going to be done amicably and. Basically, you're not going to damage each other. I don't think it's in anyone's interest to to damage each other. You know, when you look at, I've been in this situation in in my former life at Greenstone, being a very large shareholder in a relatively small and illiquid company. Um, it's not in anyone's interest, in fact, to go and do anything silly. And so, um, so being you know, doing things that are constructive and for the greater good is really the only way to go about that. And, and obviously, we wouldn't be looking to do anything that destroyed, you know, we would stand to lose the most if we trashed Southern Cross's share price. It would be the last thing a company like Mawson would ever do. Okay, okay. No, it, it's, it's just worth discussing and being very clear. Um, Mike Hudson is the kind of, is he your chairman? Is that right? 
as well? He's our, yeah, he's our executive chairman in this right? period where he's helping me transition. Okay. Uh, but he's the MD down in, uh, down in Australia for Southern Cross. Okay. Okay. Cool. So again, just so coming back to that, some of the parts things. So you, you kind of put a value on something, whether or not you can access it today or not, is it kind of irrelevant that there's a value attributable to that? And you can look at it, go, go look at Southern Cross at gold share price. Um, you've got, you've, you've talked about your assets and the Scandinavian assets, you know, Finland, um, and I guess Sweden. Um, so why do you think people aren't kind of getting the story? Cause it's been around for a while. Is, is that the problem? Yeah. Look, I think there's, I think that people have, um, yeah, Mawson's been around a while, and and what we have here is 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 I don't like to use the term, but it's a new Mawson. Um, we've got a development project, but not an exploration story that was pre-resource. In three four years, we drilled out a million ounces. So so if you haven't been paying attention in that period of time, we wouldn't have even had a resource, and that would be the only thing that the company had was a pre-resource. All of a sudden, we're a company with a million ounces. It's a it's a development stage project. We're doing a PEA and we're doing permitting and we're we're you know it has forward momentum. We've made it. We've made got this new property down in Sweden, um, and people like to see new stories. Uh, and this is a new story. It's a project that's never been drilled, and and so far we've got gold in the first two drill holes, and we continue that. We expect that hit rate to continue, and so new exploration news. And then we've got this optionality and leverage that comes from a you know, having the tiger by the tail, so to speak, with this hot new story down in Australia and being significant shareholder and, and indirectly benefiting from the good work that they are doing down there. And, and so it's time that people took a closer look at Mawson, looked at this sum of the parts valuation, you know, any one of our assets, you know, certainly out of Finland and Australia, either one of those assets easily underwrites the value in the company. Um, and uh, when you put them together you, and you look at the, the market cap of Mawson, it, it sort of becomes ridiculous. And, and it's clear we just need to get that story out there and, and articulate the value that's already been created in the best possible way, not let alone the future value from, from ongoing exploration and, and, uh, and the like. But okay, again, you, you, from your, your, your history at, at Greenstone, you'll, you'll, you'll probably um, have a view on this one, which is if you look at your share register, it, it's very institutional heavy at the moment. And, and that's possibly a factor of you know, what, what, what went on in 2020. Um, has, has the liquidity, because it, seem, it seems quite low, and that's, again, a bit of a problem. You've got 30% free float here. Um, what do you do about something like that? Because that's important to you. The, the liquidity and the volume of trading is important to a company of 30, 35 million um, bucks. You've got you to do everything you can to help not just move the story along, the narrative along, but in terms of get, you know, get, get the market interested and, and, and trading. So how do you kind of, or do you want to, um, get some of the institutional component out and a bit more retail in, or do you think you've got the balance right? No, I don't. I don't think we've got the balance wrong. You know, strong. Those institutions that we have on our register are some of the best names in the business, and uh, we are very, very fortunate to have them. And you don't typically see them associated with companies of our size. And I think that is a reflection of the quality of the asset and the story and the opportunity. Uh, that they see within Mawson, um, getting re I think what you're alluding to is a little bit more sort of retail demand. That's obviously helps to to move your share price. Um, but you know, at the project level, what we can control, the things that we can control, are generating value. And I think that we've focused our time and and capital effectively on generating the value. 
I'm here telling you about the story and hoping to appeal to a wider range, uh, a wider sort of audience to uh, generate more retail demand and help move our stock price. It's it's obviously great to have institution shareholders that, that, that do help us support us often in our fundraising as well, um, but they're not selling on market uh, and, and, and less often buying on markets hard for them to build a big position um, in these small companies. They come in in financings and, and, and we've seen certainly with our investors, they're, they're fairly sticky. Um, it's generating that retail demand a little bit more difficult, particularly in markets like this, but, but it's about we do the work at the project level and we get the message out there and hopefully we can, um, we can resonate and, and distinguish ourselves uh, in our peer group, which I, which I think that, that we certainly are in terms of the quality of the assets. Right. If you were at Greenstone, would you be investing in this company now? Yeah, this is about the state. Helping having a PEA was certainly one of the key things that that uh, that that a company that a fund like Mawson, a uh, fund like Greenstone, looked to come in off. They like to underwrite their investment with a with an, an understanding of the economics and understanding of what's going to be the capital cost. I talked about. McGreenstone strategy being quite focused on on having a project you can build and and so having a PEA that outlines what that development scenario looks like that was a critical I don't think Greenstone invested in anything that was pre pre PEA and I and I do think that the PEA does bring in uh, new types of investors that previously wouldn't have been able to invest in these earlier stories um, like private equity funds and but but other institutions that like to have some some meat on the bones that they can wrap. Um, some economics around helps underwrite their investment. Okay. Well, look, Ivan, I appreciate the run, run through of what you're up to. It sounds like the new Mawson uh, has got a lot going on and um, I look forward to seeing what happens with the, with the drilling. Um, obviously, PA we're going to look out for, uh, for sure. And uh, if there's any new discoveries, give us a call. Thanks, Matt. Good to be on.